0: You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lolana. And I'm Matt Garasimovich. And today we're covering Part 1, Chapter 30 of Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate. Last time we were talking about the death of Tolia. now we are going back to our original timeline of... With Ludmila finding out about Tolya's fate and a rather impersonal explanation of it by Italian commissar Shemansky. Uh mm. and uh, I mean, what what parent wouldn't want to hear that that spiel, the roach spiel that he gives her about their dead child? Um, is there anywhere in particular that you would like to start with? This,
1: yes, there was there was something in this chapter that I thought was very interesting, and it was kind of the thing that I think Grossman does really well when he's writing. Not just about death, but about everything. And that is, he really shows these moments of disruption in people's thoughts and disruption of routines. And that makes sense because a lot of fiction is about so- something that changes just very broadly. We don't tend to write about uh, just this kind of say minutia of routine or habit uh, tends to not make a super interesting story. But... I digress. Um, So there's this line here where Shemansky is saying that he he felt sad about the dead lieutenant and sorry for his mother. For that very reason, he felt angry with both of them. What would happen to his nerves if he had to give interviews to every dead lieutenant's mama? Um, And I thought that that was just such a wonderful encapsulation of the situation for him. And just this sort of breaking him out of this routine of the fact that he's burying these young men every single day after either failed operations or they just don't, there's no chance for them to make it through any operation and the, I I feel like the narrator, I I mean it's his thoughts but there's some irony of course on this, yeah what would happen if he had to give a report, I mean why shouldn't he have to give a report and the, the fact that he feels angry because he actually feel sad about what it is he's doing in his job and so that was just a very i don't know it's like one of those instances where you have two quick lines just inserted into the well i guess it's kind of towards the beginning of the chapter but just how kind of quick grossman can jab you with something like that a lot of characterization and a lot of kind of quite frankly it's psychological insight all at once uh into us because i feel like we've all probably felt that way about maybe something and probably not of this magnitude but and not for me i don't do anything important
0: <laughs> no it did uh it reminds me yeah of like working in healthcare at one point in time experiencing uh, you know this like a have I ever told I, you I that was... you're a hero
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think so anyways no
0: not not the not the not the good kind of health or the sec the, the kind where you're you're just checking people in but like you know i work with people uh most of them not thankfully but you'd you'd meet some people who are like like why are you bothering me what are you just checking in for an appointment you want your documents are you serious you're interrupting my day for this uh yeah but right i mean to this very point the routines that people get into um especially which is contrasted against the wartime right and i think it's great to have this chapter positioned against the last chapter where you have this kind of this overwhelming emotion of the people who want Tolia to be alive. And now you're getting into the bureaucracy of it. And, you know, of course, if he felt sad for every single soldier he died, he'd be, you know, overwhelmed all the time. So he pushes it all down. Um, and, and, you know, like you say, Grossman gives us those quick little jabs between most of the chapter, which is, I think, intentionally more or less devoid of emotion. It's just a quick, here's what happened. It's almost like a military report. And then I think it comes to this really, to this sort of, Maybe the, I don't know if I would call this the, the climax of the chapter, but the moment when he finally looks her in the eyes and, you know, it's like the brilliance almost shocks him and he like blinks and looks away. You know, there's one moment of connecting humanity here, right? Where it's it's not just, there's the initial, oh gosh, you know, what if I had to do this every time? And then I think there's a moment of maybe connecting humanity there, which is, you know, not fully realized, but it's like yeah, we're on the cusp there. Uh, that Again, that kind of quick punch, that quick jab that Grisman is so good at.
1: Yeah, and you know, as I'm kind of thinking about it, I do think that the this sort of same logic will apply probably to some of the Nazis as well. Just ha- I mean, habit can be good and it can also be very bad and dangerous. We tend to think of habit as something boring, but when we're doing something that is bad and it becomes ritualized or part of our habits, this sort of you know, and it's sort of combining that with treating something like work and kind of separating it as something that is different from you. This is not me. This is something I do for work. And I do it every day so much that I don't even think about it. And in this case, we'll see with some of the characters later, uh, this is not good with some of the things that are being done, to put it lightly. um. In this case, it's not necessarily that uh, he's doing anything bad. He's just very, matter of fact, not super personable. Probably wouldn't really want to interact with him. And the sort of way that these state structures kind of use us to uh, kind of ritualize or habitualize certain actions can be really dehumanizing and really... I don't know give us give us personally the distance that we need to say I don't do something bad this is just well a job or it's just something over there it's not part of me Um, but I think that Grossman doesn't buy that I know we can't extract from just this one chapter but all things being equal
0: I think, but I think we probably can't extract that from uh, tomorrow's chapter. (laughs) Maybe a little more, but
1: well, there are some scenes coming up that I would say not everything is um, like a habitual sort of thing. There are some really jarring, violent scenes that are depicted later, and there's no habit to that. Um, In some cases, yes, but. Here right. I think there is, and I just think it's something kind of interesting.
0: Absolutely, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the main takeaway from this chapter. It's a pretty impressive amount of things to take away from like a page and a half of content anyway, so... Yeah, I really like the short
1: chapters. I mean, they're fun. I mean, fun to analyze, That's <laughs> it.
0: Right. I think, unless there's any, any, anything else you wanted to cover. That's a good place to leave for today, and you will all hear from us again soon.